We turn our attention to the gospel lesson today from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. If you are able, I would invite you to stand in honor of the gospel lesson. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, as we uh, are here in this fifth week of our sermon series on the Lord's Prayer, we come to this phrase, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. When preaching a sermon about this line in the Lord's Prayer, Reverend Adam Hamilton told his congregation to place a comma after the word us. Lead us. Pause. As if that is its own prayer. Oh God, lead us. Not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So today, friends, we are uncovering this little phrase that has the power to save us. And that is good news. Amen? Amen. So tune in. Listen up. Give our undivided attention to what Jesus has to teach us in this little phrase. The gospel lesson that I read for us this morning narrates Jesus' face-to-face experience with temptation. I think it would be fair to say that Jesus knows of which he speaks when he teaches, teaches us to pray, lead us not into temptation. He has an innate familiarity with temptation because of this story. After his baptism, the gospels tell us that Jesus was led into the wilderness. And there he was all alone, hungry and weak after 40 days of fasting. And the only one who shows up for him is the devil, the ultimate tempter. So Jesus knows about temptation. I want to spend just a few moments of this, on this text in Matthew's gospel, the most powerful uh, expounding of this text, text that I have ever read comes from the book I mentioned at the beginning of worship, Henry Nouwen's In the Name of Jesus, Reflections on Christian Leadership. Uh, Nouwen has a way of writing very small books and packing a lot in those books. 
And every time I reread this book, there's something about it that just sits with me for a very long time. So the premise of this book that Nowen writes is several years into his leadership, Nowen took an intentional detour from the ladder of career advancement, which is somewhat unusual. Most of the time, the leadership journey continues to help us gain more influence and a larger sphere. But that wasn't the case for him. He made a choice to become the priest at Daybreak, which is a faith-based community for those living with mental disabilities. And so from that vantage point, he experiences all of his assumptions and his expectations about what it means to be a leader to be turned upside down to be turned on their head. And so several years into this experience of becoming a priest there, he writes this book where he reflects on the temptations of Jesus and what he has learned from the vantage point of serving as a priest in the community for those with mental disabilities. Here he finds that he is able to see the temptations he faced previously in his life much more clearly. And so he names these three temptations that we read about in the text today as relevance, popularity, and power. I'll give you just a thumbnail sketch of each one. About the temptation for relevance, he says, we all want to matter. We want to do what makes a difference. We want to, to be in that place where because we're there, something changes. But this is how he reflects on that temptation in his book, and I quote, The Christian leader of the future is called to be completely irrelevant and to stand in this world with nothing to offer but his or her own vulnerable self. Just that sentence alone always causes me to, to pause and remember that many times God uses us best when we're not worried about being relevant, but we simply are available about the temptation to popularity, who doesn't know that temptation, right? To fit in, to want to belong, to accomplish something that has significance, that matters to others. Now and says this, but Jesus refused to be a stuntman. He did not come to prove himself. And about the temptation of power, now and says we all want to be in charge of something or someone. And he reflects this in his book, much of Christian leadership is exercised by people who do not know how to develop healthy, intimate relationships and have opted for power instead. Wow. As I read his book, the temptations sounded a lot less like something that might have happened millennia ago and something like what happens in our lives every day. Because we have watched the temptations up close and personal in our own lives. Who hasn't faced the temptations of relevance, popularity, power? Who hasn't fallen, fallen prey to the grasp of temptation at some place, in some way, in our lives? So I think it might be important for us to, to look at how temptation works and I want to say to you, whether you're with us on the live stream or here in the sanctuary, this is our safe space to be able to take a closer look at something that often we're not even aware is operating in our lives. And so let's allow ourselves a moment of honesty 
and vulnerability as we look at how temptation operates. Let me remind us that the starting line for temptation is not a particular behavior, it's a desire. That is what sets the direction in our life is, is that issue of desire. Pastor Heather, in the sermon that she was working on for today, she was talking about being in youth ministry for, for many, many years, and she would always ask the students, so what do you want to be in 10 years? And everyone would offer their answers, and then she'd say, what do you want to be in 30 years? And they would all offer their answers, and she said, you know, it's interesting to me, none of you said you wanted to be an addict. None of you said boy, I sure hope in 10 years I can be in prison. And so then they would have this very interesting conversation, right, about, well, how does that happen, (laughs) right? And it's in the little decisions that we make each and every day. It's not as if we start out by saying, you know what, I want to be this, and that's exactly what happens. No, that's not how temptation works. And so I would remind us the starting line for temptation isn't a particular behavior It is the desire. And so this is how we ask the question, who gets to be in your driver's seat? When you think about what you want and what you need, who determines that? And I can tell you that if we follow our natural inclinations, it will be M-E, me, right? Charlotte, what do you want? I can make you a list. What do you need? That list is going to be way too long, right? So if I'm in the driver's seat of my desire, I will always, always go astray. So let's be clear, friends. The bar for Jesus followers is that God gets to be in charge of our desires, not us. So when we ask ourselves the question, what do I need and what do I want? The answer is, I don't know, God. You tell me. You are the one who directs my desire. Unfortunately, that is not how that normally goes. And so temptation marches on to the messy middle. The messy middle of temptation is all about rationalization. I tell you what, if the world could be powered on rationalization, we would never have an energy shortage. Because we are so good at rationalizing our desire. Friends, if our own wants and needs are in the driver's seat, we're going to have a very hard time pulling over to switch drivers because we won't even pull over to ask directions. Have you noticed this? You probably notice it as a passenger more than you notice it as a driver. But when you're a passenger and you can tell that the driver is tired or is lost, don't you say, hey, want to pull over. Let me drive, right? But we have such a hard time doing that when we are in the driver's seat. So let me notice for us, because we're in a safe space here, that the sooner we interrupt the fact that we took a wrong exit, the less painful it is to have to do the backtracking to get on the right road. Amen? We're in a safe space, right? We can acknowledge that now. Our forebears found two practices to be really helpful with the messy middle to keep us from going further down this path. One 
is to be honest with a trusted accountability partner or group, preferably weekly. There needs to be someone who has the freedom or a few someones who has the freedom to speak into your life and say, hey, you might want to switch drivers. Okay? Hey, you might want to get out the map. Maybe the GPS didn't know about this detour, right? By having that group around us, it makes such a difference in keeping us out of this going right on down the path of temptation. The other practice that they've discovered is praying the examen uh, each night before you go to sleep. But this is what I can tell you. Trusting yourself to know when you need to pull over doesn't work. And so the messy middle then ends up at the finish line. And the finish line for temptation, friends, is getting stuck in a ditch. Sometimes we get so far off the path, we're not even on the road anymore. We are stuck in a ditch. You know what you do when you get stuck in a ditch? You call a tow truck. Okay? And then the next call is to a parent or to a spouse or to someone who's invested in your well-being. And you tell them what you did. And you say, I'm going to need a little help here. I'm, I'm stuck in a ditch. Hopefully, we can see in this safe space of worship this morning that it is detrimental at this point to keep trying to fix it ourselves. Or even worse, to just give up and sit in the ditch waiting for something worse to happen. No. Friends, when we reach the finish line of temptation and we get stuck in a ditch, we call a tow truck. In the spiritual life, we call that repentance. To say, uh-oh, this wasn't where I meant to be. I don't want to be, so I'm going to turn around and head back towards the place where God's grace is waiting for me. So that's a very abbreviated look at how temptation works. Perhaps as we do our own examination this morning, there might be a place in our lives where we notice that temptation is very seductive. There might be a place in our life where we notice that temptation kind of has us by the throat. We don't know how we got here. We may be in the messy middle, but it's a mess for sure. And so from that place, friends, we know exactly why Jesus would teach us to to plead, actually. Lead us. Lead us, oh God. You be in the driver's seat. Anybody remember the, the uh, song, Jesus Take the Wheel? Some of you may like it, some of you may not. It is kind of a, a cheesy song. But I'll tell you, that's the prayer, friends. Jesus, take the wheel. Lead us. Lead us. You be in the driver's seat. You direct the desires. Therefore, you direct the outcome. And then we certainly understand the very next point of, of uh, this prayer, which is deliver us. So let me tell you that when you're in, a prayer, in the ditch, this is an appropriate prayer. Deliver us. Deliver us. It is a much better prayer than God, make it so I can deliver myself. And no one ever has to know. You ever find that when you're in the ditch, you, you back up and you're like, nobody saw that, did they? Right? I'm in the ditch. Nobody knows. God, make it so I can fix this. And no one ever has to know. 
It's not how Jesus teaches us to pray. Jesus teaches us to pray, deliver us, oh God, from evil. In this one short little phrase, Jesus is teaching us how to overcome temptation. Lead us. Put God in the driver's seat. You know why? Because we will be led. We will be led. We will be pulled. We will follow something or someone. May it be God who leads us. Not into temptation. Because temptation is a real thing. We are all vulnerable to its pull. And when we fall, it will pain no one more than it pains God. So please know that, friends, when it's time to turn around, God isn't ready with a wagging finger. God is ready with welcoming arms. God won't and can't lead us into temptation. Besides, we do a plenty good enough job on our own. And then we pray, deliver us from evil. When we stray, make us humble enough to turn around, don't drown. Have you heard that phrase? Do you know when you hear that phrase, have you noticed? When there's a lot of rain and you're watching the news and they're saying, please, please don't drive into water where you can't see the road. Turn around, don't drown. And they say it every single time. Do you know why? Because people don't do it. And they approach the, the water, which I have done, friends, okay? I'm, I'm first among them. Approach the water and say, you know what? It'll be different this time. I'm the exception. No, you're not. <laughs> okay, and that, that's why this prayer, deliver us. That is the prayer, turn around, don't drown. It's a bold prayer. It acknowledges that on our own, we'll give in to evil before we even know it. But we serve a God who has overcome evil and who loves us enough to always provide deliverance for us, no matter how deep the ditch is. Does that feel like good news to you today? You can even say amen behind your masks. Friends, I want to take a pause here for a moment. Because statistically speaking, there will be someone on the live stream today or someone here in our sanctuary who is really stuck in a ditch bad. And if that's you, hear my pleading with you. Turn around. Don't drown. Make a phone call. Send a text. And, and whether that be to me, your pastor, or to Pastor Heather, your pastor, or to a helpline, or to someone who's invested in your well-being and will help you get out of that ditch by turning around so you don't drown, please do it. Temptation is a real thing. It leads all of us astray at different points in our life. And it is time today to call the tow truck. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, the one we refer to as the Lord's Prayer, we have to pray this prayer every single day. You know I've recommended that you would pray it uh, a couple of times a day. But I want to encourage you to pray this prayer or this phrase with a comma after the word us. Lead us. Lead us, God. Not into temptation, because we'll do a plenty good enough job on our own. 
but deliver us from evil. This morning, I'm going to invite us to, to pray the Lord's Prayer. And you, you know the words so well that many times they, they become rote. Today, I'm going to invite you to take a pause after each phrase. And that way, you can let the, the truth of that phrase sort of sink in. This is an amazing prayer. It can change our lives. So I'm going to ask us to um, offer this prayer and allow God to change us as we pray it together. Let us pray. Our Father who art in heaven, pause. Hallowed be thy name, pause. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, pause. Give us this day our daily bread. Pause. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Pause. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Pause. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.